Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. Also brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have an update on the weather outlook with Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang. Another hot dome is descending on the prairies. The Saskatchewan Stock Growers is calling for immediate government action to help livestock producers facing severe drought. Real Agriculture talks with Gordon Bacon, formerly with Pulse Canada, we talk with the Provincial Crop Specialist in Outlook, where crops are hanging on despite hot, dry weather. The province moves to provide support for cow-calf producers for protecting runoff surface water quality. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Saskatchewan farmers are facing another blast of hot, dry weather this week. Environment Canada meteorologist Terry Lang says there could be some new high records set in some communities. Well, we're climbing back into some uh, hot and dry weather, unfortunately, and it looks like it's here to stay for a pretty long time as well. Uh, very little chance of precipitation, just scattered showers or thunder showers at best, unfortunately. When do you expect the first break in this weather? Well, we actually can't see a break quite yet coming. So the models don't quite agree on um, when the, the situation will break down, what we call the ridge breakdown. No consensus on that yet. But if it happens, it'll probably be sort of late, maybe next weekend is uh, late next week, probably, probably. But again, no consensus with any of the models. We had a big heat dome early July. Is that what you would call this? Is what's causing this? Yep, that's exactly what it is. Big ridge of high pressure uh, building over Western Canada. Again, this time it'll be centered more over um, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, as opposed to British Columbia. The last time we were kind of on the eastern edge of it. This time it's going to be over top of, you know, the southern prairie. So it's going to be a real baker. I think we're going to see some really, uh, really hot temperatures, probably some record temperatures as well. Will it be record temperatures across the Green Belt in the south or the north? Uh, it doesn't look like it'll be uh, all that, you know, uh, warm in the north, but certainly the southern grain belt for sure, particularly those places um, a lot bordering the, the U.S. border. So it would make then the threat of wildfires even worse? Certainly, you know, not too for the north. Uh, you know, they're kind of already entering into that, but with the lack of precipitation coming, certainly uh, a possibility. So there's no relief in sight at this stage? 
no relief in sight at this stage. No, unfortunately. It's just one of those summers that we're, you know, kind of getting that same pattern over and over and over again. Um, and it's unfortunate because there's just no, no moisture in any of this. Yeah. What about the long-range forecast right through to harvest time, the end of August and September? Well, that's, uh, you know, the long-range forecasts are sort of a fine art or educated guessing, if you'd like. You know, and uh, our long-range forecast for the summer, uh, which is what we put out, which would be June, July, August, is for below average precipitation and above average temperatures. And so far, that's most certainly working out. Terry Lang is a meteorologist with Environment Canada. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. The Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association wants the federal and provincial government to take immediate action to assist livestock producers facing drought. Kelsey Elford from Cairnport is president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. This is a large spread drought. We were dealing with water situations like quality issues last year and that's led over into this year. With a longer winter, the feed have been uh, depleted. And going into this year with minimal hay to be put up, it's going to be record prices for what feed is out there. And we're very much looking at a herd reduction that we haven't seen. Alfred is worried about a sizable herd reduction due to drought. We're anticipating up to 40% in the worst hit areas, which is a huge uh, reduction in income and reduction in cow herd. And one of the goals that we have is to grow the cow herd in this province, and this will really set that back. Alfred says this is far more serious than normal year-over-year fluctuations and livestock producers need more than crop insurance. Topping the list is declaring a drought disaster to trigger the agri-recovery program and also extending the tax deferral period for cattle sold due to drought. A couple of things that we're looking for in assistance is trigger the disaster relief and tax deferral so that guys, not, not just on cows that they have to sell, but yearlings and calves as well, so the tax hit isn't as significant. Alford is also looking for a longer tax deferral. Yeah, minimum five years is what we're looking at, so the guys have time to rebuild and recover. Ideally, we'd like to be able to see guys source feed to be able to keep their herd size. Unfortunately, I, I don't think that that's going to be possible in the situation that we're in. This has been compounded over the last four years. In my area, we haven't had a lot of snow runoff. It was the driest year on record last year, and leading into this year, it's just compounded the issue. Alfred also wants changes to crop insurance. The crop insurance changes we're looking for is to utilize the crops that aren't going to yield. So if uh, grain producers can recognize their value that it may or may not be there through crop insurance, and then the livestock producers come in and, and use those crops as feed. That would be an excellent fix. The stock growers also want to see the two levels of government increase and pay a larger share of the farm and ranch water infrastructure program. Kelsey Elford is president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. 
From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. Joined right now by the former CEO of Pulse Canada, it is Gordon Bacon. Gordon, how are you? Sean, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Well, and Gordon, congratulations. Yesterday, release came out that you are one of uh, this year's inductees into the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you, Sean. It really uh, was a surprise to me, and, uh, and I'm, I feel very honored and, uh, and humbled by it. So I, I appreciate um, the selection committee's work, the nomination, and I'm uh, very proud to be part of uh, not only the, the class of 2021, but to be part of uh, the organization and all of the people that they've honored over the years. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, you know, what, what does this news mean to you? Like, obviously, it's a, a, a very select group of individuals that have greatly contributed to the, this very diverse, great industry. So when you heard the news, what were your first thoughts? Well, I, I was honestly, my head was spinning and I and I my thoughts were just racing around. Like, how did I end up here? How did how did this even happen? And and, and I really thought a lot about all of the people who had been a mentor to me, the uh, people who I had worked for and worked with who provided me with direction, uh, all of the people who both challenged me and supported me in the things we do. And, and an analogy that came to my mind was, you know, in my career, my work has been like a long chain, and I'm just one link. And, and I was thinking about all the people in that chain and their strengths and, and the things that we did and the things that we succeeded at or failed at, you know, we're, we're all shared along this whole chain of people and, and, you know, going back to the people who I looked up to and who taught me a lot of things. So I just felt like um, it really brought into focus all of the people in my career across four provinces in Canada that I've worked and, and the people who uh, challenged me because I don't always get things right, who supported me when I didn't get it right as well as when I did. So um, it really was a time to look back and and uh, try to find that answer for myself. How did I end up here? Yeah, t- 24 years uh, in the leadership position at Pulse Canada, it also is an opportunity to kind of reflect back and think about how the Pulse industry has changed and grown and really become a, a flagship from a production standpoint on the prairies. It's come a w- long ways, Gordon, and, and you've been uh, in the leadership position for a lot of that ride. Yeah, and, and you know, not always did we have, like, certainly never have unanimous support. Lots of times, you know, where our own board of directors was divided on things. And, and I am thinking of things like we go back 15 years and talk about health and nutrition where, you know, there wasn't a lot of focus on talking about health and nutrition when you were in a commodity business. Uh, and there certainly wasn't any discussion and still lots of debate about sustainability. But I also really quick to point out that the idea about health, nutrition, and environmental sustainability came out of a Canadian Ag Research Council report in the mid-1990s. And when Pulse Canada was set up, there was one staff person, and I worked very closely with the chair of the board at the time, Lyle Minogue, and, and Lyle wanted to have a strategic planning session to bring in a diverse cross-section of people in the post, from, from plant breeders, agronomists, to you know, marketers and, and government people. And really, we came down to say that the CARP report really had 
nailed it when saying Canada will always have trouble competing on a global basis if it's just on a commodity basis, because that's about price. You want to sell more, you lower the price. And that's not the goal the industry starts out with. So the Kirk report talked about how Canadian agricultural products needed to differentiate themselves on the basis of health, nutrition, and sustainability. So we took that to heart. We made that part of our goal, and we stuck with it, and we wrote it through the good times. Any different than any other group, but we we focused on on those three areas, and we maintained that focus. So we we do have a track record in the pulse industry of trying to build you know a database around these areas of health, nutrition, and sustainability. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. Infuse some energy into your next corporate event, customer meeting, or conference with Real Ag Radio, Canada's national agriculture radio show. Create a unique experience at your next event with host Sean Haney, broadcasting Real Ag Radio live on Sirius XM, featuring exciting guests, captivating interviews, and the latest news from the agriculture community. Contact advertising at realagriculture.com or call 587-787-1795 to book your on-location with Real Ag Radio today. Apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. The official 620 CKRM Farm Weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today with a high of 28, the low 13. Wednesday, partly cloudy, 30% chance of showers in the afternoon, risk of a thunderstorm. The high tomorrow, 29, the low 15. Hotter on Thursday, sunny, the high 33, the low 17. Friday, sunny, the high 35, the low 18. Saturday, sunny, the high 35, the low 18. Sunday, sunny, the high 35, again, the low 18. Monday, sunny, with a high forecast, 36 degrees. Normal high for this date is 25. The normal low is 11. The sun rose at 5.02 this morning. It sets at 9.07 tonight. And on the roundup, the hot spot right now is leader in west-central Saskatchewan at 28. The cold spot up north, south end, at 19. Estevan is 26. Saskatoon, 25. Swift Current, 26. Weyburn, 27. Yorkton is 23. Regina, cloudy and 26, that's 79 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north at 14. Humidity is 37%, thermometer falling 101.9. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 25. Winds are from the north, northwest at 5. Once again, Regina, cloudy sky, 26, that's 79 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com and brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Hot weather is reducing yields in many parts of the Saskatchewan Grain Belt. The crop extension agrologist in Outlook, about 235 kilometers northwest of Regina, is Kaylee Kindrachuk. 
She's taking a crop tour in her district today. Well, it's kind of all over the board depending on whether they're under irrigation or dry land. For the most part, the pulse crops are hanging on and surprisingly the cereal crops are looking all right as well for the most part. Um, it's just the canola that looks to be struggling now. So are you calling for kind of an average crop then except for the canola or what? For what it looks like now, I would still think that yields might be below average from what we've seen, you know, in the last few years. We've We've had some pretty good yields, even though it has been dry for a few years now. But I think this year we'll still maybe see some some fields below average. Especially this week is supposed to be hot. I talked with the weather office recent just today, and that's what they said. It's going to be a hot week. Yeah, the, the heat and uh, when we get the high winds, that's definitely not helping our crops any. So we really could use some rain. Now, you've been touring the area. Which seems to be the worst, south of the Outlook District or north? <laughs> I don't think any one of those areas is is worse than the other. Um, they're kind of all the same. Basically, everywhere that I have seen this year has been in, in rougher shape, yeah. Do a comparison for me. You're also uh, the midst of a major irrigation district in southern Saskatchewan. How do they uh, compare the irrigated crops to the non, to the dryland farming? Well, you can definitely tell which crops are irrigated this year. They're hanging on a little bit better. They're looking a little bit fuller. The pivots have been on all the time, but even in these these days where we have really high temperatures and high winds, the pivots are also really struggling to keep up with the moisture requirements for the crops. What would be a com- comparable yield, dry land versus irrigated yield, on, <laughs> on a year like this? How Can you give me any numbers? Oh, I... I would love to be able to give you some numbers this year, but it's going to be all over the map, and, and it's still, I think, a little too soon to tell. But I do expect that harvest may start a little bit earlier than what we have seen in the past. So, um, you know, within the next couple of weeks, we might see some guys getting ready to get in the field and get some swathing done. So you see swathing in a couple of weeks? Wow, that's pretty early. Yeah, so... With the heat and the wind and the dry conditions that we have, from what I've seen, things are looking to be about a week and a half to two weeks earlier than where they would normally be at right now. So, yeah, it's really not not helping. The irrigated farmland, what kind of production? You can't give me any precise numbers, but for the irrigated area, would yields this year be 10 20% better or even higher? Probably for irrigated areas, uh, based on you know, what their yields normally are, they would probably be fairly close to normal, maybe even because it's been so hot and dry, maybe even a little bit lower than what they would normally expect. And how does that compare to dry land? So with irrigation, we can see, you know, a a 50 bushel canola crop with dry land, we, on average, we might see like 30. But this year, I think that both of those kinds of yields will be down quite a bit or quite a bit, especially for dry land. Moisture right now won't improve our yields at this point, or probably not for most crops, but the moisture will help us preserve the yields that we do have right now. So that's why it would be really important for us to get some, um, and also to decrease our risk of fires this time of year. Have you had any fires in your region? We've had uh, for sure one pasture fire out by elbow, and that's all that I've heard of so far. I guess, Jim, 
The only other thing I can tell you is that we've had some producers that have been spraying for grasshoppers in barley and lentils. I haven't had any reports on other crops at this point, and our producers are still optimistic. Even though, you know, it's been dry and, and we're looking at below average yields, they're still optimistic and in good spirits. So, Kaylee, has there been any hail in your district recently? Yeah, so uh, Sunday night we had a little storm come through and it didn't look like it was going to bring too much, but there was quite a bit of hail that actually came out, um, you know, around Central Butte to Tagaski to Eyebrow along the Highway 42. So it did do quite a bit of damage to some of the crops there and, and we'll have to wait and see on how they recover now. What size of stones? We had um, anywhere from like penny to golf ball size stones in our yard. Kaylee Kendrachuk is the Crop Extension Specialist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Outlook. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market and SMHI. The federal and provincial governments have announced a support program for Saskatchewan livestock producers for runoff control measures. The executive director of the program's branch of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Mark Anderson, says the program will provide up to 75% of project costs to a maximum of $15,000. So the new beneficial management practice is underneath the, uh, the farm stewardship program of, of CAP, and uh, it'll help producers to mitigate some of the environmental impacts from uncontrolled runoff from their cow-calf operations. So it'll really encourage them to implement some measures and, and uh, help prevent spring runoff from entering their, uh, their livestock facility and, and migrating off-site. So what is the maximum support? How does the support program work? So the maximum support is uh, 75% of eligible expenses up to a maximum payment of $15,000. And that's to help to support some of the development of ditches, berms, dikes, and uh, you know some of that, that landscaping movement to help to divert the, the runoff in the right direction. So is this for water storage or just to avoid flooding in corrals and that kind of thing? That's correct, yeah. It's more to prevent, prevent runoff, especially in the spring. So it's not so much for, for storage tanks or holding, but really to prevent the runoff of, of that, uh, that manure. It sounds like it's a bit of both. It's to ensure producers have some adequate water supplies, but it's also to avoid some environmental issues. Primarily on the, on the environmental issues side, yeah. I mean, we do have a separate program, uh, the Farm and Ranch Water Infrastructure Program, and that's more for the development of, of things like, you know, dugouts, wells, and, and pipelines. So on this one, it's surface water protection. That's the key goal? That's correct, yeah. Now tell me, what are the uh, kind of priorities here? The, this is under the SAS Farm Stewardship Program? That's correct, yeah. It's a beneficial management practice under, under farm stewardship. So, uh, again, it's some, some of the typical runoff control projects would include diverting water around livestock confinement, winter feeding, sorting and handling, and, uh, and manure storage and, and composting. So, um, again, it's to, to kind of prevent that run, uncontrolled runoff and environmental impacts. Well, I have you with me, Mark. Tell me about the programs that are available for producers that are having some water supply issues right now. They've got water shortages because of the very, very dry weather. What are some of the programs available? Well, we have several uh, water management programs that are available. Uh, the primary one is the, the Farm and Ranch Water Infrastructure Program, or, or FROIP, and that's uh, to support the development of, uh, of dugouts, wells, and uh, pipelines, and that can be accessed to a maximum um, funding of $50,000. So um, that would be uh, a very uh, good program for producers to access to help to, to mitigate some of the, the current water concerns. Um, we also have several irrigation-focused programs that uh, help support the, the development of uh, irrigation infrastructure and uh, irrigation efficiency as well. What percentage does the government cover on those costs of those programs, those projects? FRIP is a 50-50 cost share and again up to uh, $50,000.
Mark Anderson is the executive director of the program's branch of the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. An international research team, which includes plant geneticists from the University of Saskatchewan, are working on a way to make faba beans an option for more global consumers. While the faba bean plant is high in protein, well-suited to growing in colder climates, and reduces the need for nitrogen fertilizer, there is one problem. For an estimated 400 million people worldwide, eating faba bean can have serious consequences. In people deficient in a certain enzyme, eating faba bean causes damage to a person's red blood cells. The disaster or disorder, pardon me, is known as favism. USASC plant breeder and geneticist Dr. Bert Vandenberg says they can now reduce 99% of the compounds that cause favism. He's confident that they should be able to zero in and shut it down 100%. Some faba beans are grown in the northern parkland region of Saskatchewan and Alberta. It's hoped that the crop could provide another option in grower rotations. Market update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork. Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more. Visit saskpork.com. Grain prices were showing upward movement in early trading. Durham rose $18.37. Canola gained $19.20 at $8.8377. Number one red spring wheat went up $5.17 at $3.6304. The rest were unchanged. Feed barley 254.65, flax 677.94, lentils 751.50, oats 216.53, yellow peas 341.76, feed wheat 238.84. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, September spring wheat is up seven and three quarter cents at 865 a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of July 13th. Our last regular sale was on July 7th. D1 and D2 cows sold from 90 cents to a dollar. D3 cows sold from 80 cents to 90 cents. Canner cows sold from 60 cents to 80 cents. Heffrets sold from $1.05 to $1.20, and good butcher bulls sold from $1.15 to $1.28. There weren't enough steers or heifers in any one weight break to establish an accurate price quotation, but what we did have sold well. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 8,100 hogs Monday, selling a range of 235 to 251 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,600 head, selling in a range of 237 to 252 per CKG. Hams number one sows this week are selling in the range of 53 to 60 cents per pound live weight. Hams cash hog price today is up, and four contract prices opened higher this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is up three basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.2471. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 79.86 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash pricing is mixed, with the negotiated Western Corn Belt region down 65 cents U.S. 100 weight, while both national variants are up 86 cents. All regions are down from the June highs, but the trends are mixed today. The Western Corn Belt is mounting a modest recovery, while the national-based regions are moderately lower compared to a sharper downtrend seen a couple weeks ago. Despite some variability in the primals, 
The net value of the cutout has remained relatively steady since the second last week in June and is firming at present levels. While the focus is currently on post-pandemic consumer demand and relatively tight supplies to be price supportive, processing capacity once again has entered the equation. For starters, a Minnesota judge recently ruled against enhanced line speeds, which the USDA has yet to appeal, taking some 85,000 head per week out of U.S. processing capacity. As well, Smithfield Foods announced last week that it will be closing its Walton, Virginia plant, therefore taking another 54,000 head per week out of the weekly kill. The moves lower weekly U.S. processing from 2.768 million head per week to 2.629 million head per week, with reduced line speeds and after the plant closes. While outlooks remain supportive on the fundamentals, industry capacity and the resulting seasonal economics are still present. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. The federal and provincial governments have announced more than $6.8 million in joint funding for 12 infrastructure projects across the province. The funding will go to replacing culverts and bridges across Saskatchewan that have reached the end of their service life. Rural bridges are key to the ability to move goods and services on the local transportation network. Replacing culverts reduces the risk of flooding, improves roads and ensures a reliable network. The joint funding includes $1.8 million from Ottawa, $2.2 million from the provincial government and $2.7 million from recipients. On the markets today, the TSX is up 43 points at 20,276. The Dow has fallen 76 points at 34,919. Oil is up at $1.19 at 75.29 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 37 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.92 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.